Good morning. You know, I think uh, you folks here at uh, San Ramon have a special gift of making one welcome. And uh, I do want to thank you for that. Kathy and I have been looking forward to being here with you. And uh, now we're here. And it's good to see your faces and to know that uh, we're loved. And we want to tell you we love you too. I want to begin a two-part series today that I've entitled, Getting Back to the Basics. Every now and then as I read the newspapers, I come across an article which stresses the basics. You know, they say, well, we need to uh, get back to reading, writing, and arithmetic. And the need becomes so very, very obvious when we note that so many young people are graduating without knowing really how to read. Uh, nor how to do a simple math problem. And when we turn to the sports page, we often read of football coaches stressing, tackling, and blocking. And the need to get back to the basics, getting back to the fundamentals. And so it is in the Christian life. There are certain basics that we need to review from time to time if we are to develop as spiritual Christians. And the writer of the book of Hebrews wrote that some believers needed someone to teach them all over again the first principles of God's Word. It seems like we really never get away from the basics. And the basic that I would like to talk about today and in two weeks is the practice of prayer. A very important basic. And if you have your Bibles, uh, would you turn, please, to Luke's Gospel? And Luke, incidentally, as you may know, is the prayer gospel. There's more said about prayer in the Gospel of Luke than the other three Gospels put together. Luke's Gospel, chapter 18. And we'll read the first eight verses. Now, Jesus was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. Saying, in a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him, saying, Give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while he was unwilling, but afterward he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God, nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection, otherwise by continually coming she will wear me out. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now, will not God bring about justice for His elect who cry to Him day and night? And will He delay long over them? I tell you that He will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on the earth? In December of 1968, quite a while ago, 
Newsweek ran a feature article entitled, Can Modern Man Pray? And the article concluded that most could not. Christianity Today, December of 1979, published the results of a poll taken jointly with the Gallup organization and reported that prayer and prayer groups are especially successful in only about 1% of the churches. 1%. Eugene Peterson in his book, Working the Angles, states that most ministers either don't pray or pray very little. And I think he said that about 5% of ministers pray. That's people who stand behind a pulpit like this. They don't pray. Then there's the story of six-year-old Kathy, whose mother asked, did you say your prayers tonight? And Kathy quickly responded, nope. And mother said, and why not? And Kathy said, well, I told God everything this morning, and he's still busy with that. So... Well, how is prayer for you? Prayer is something that we all agree is good. We can't get along without it. Prayer is our lifeline. A person should never neglect praying. We all agree with those statements. But, does prayer come easy for you? Or do you struggle with praying? Is prayer one of those things we do at church, we do at weddings, we do at funerals, and we do at baby dedications? And that's about it. How many have gotten drowsy during prayer time? Or found your mind wandering all over the place? When did you last have a positive response for what you prayed for? How many of you have gone to prayer meeting and you spend more time talking about the problems than actually praying? And when a united prayer church meeting is announced, how many dismiss the announcement because you don't intend to be present anyway? Now, some of the questions that I would like to address in this short series on the practice of prayer include these. Why should we pray at all? Doesn't God already know? How do I know that God hears my prayers? What if I just don't feel like praying? What kinds of things should I pray about? Should I pray about my own problems? Or is that selfish? Can I be honest with God? And what do I say when I pray? And this morning, I'd like to begin by responding at least to the first two questions, and then we'll take up any others as time allows. First, why should we pray at all? And secondly, what if I don't feel like praying? Why should we pray at all? First of all, let me suggest suggest why some people don't pray. You know, prayer seems to be a problem for some. It's a struggle. 
And uh, it's a struggle for me. Though Kathy and I usually have, uh, well, we, we always have, a time of prayer every morning for an hour, an hour and a half, sometimes two. And I'd like to mention seven obstacles to prayer that seem to be common to a lot of people. First, some, think, some people think that prayer is something only holy people can do. You know, the holy people are able to get God's attention, but me and not me. So they say this is a job for the clergy, for the missionaries, and older women. You know, they pray. So, they're the ones that get God's attention and have their prayers answered. Secondly, some think prayer is like singing the Star-Spangled Banner at the beginning of a sporting event. You can't start the game until the song has been sung. And prayer is what you always do at the beginning of a church service, right? Before you eat, before you go to bed. And so once prayer has been offered, then you can begin. And I can hear at a football game as the star banner is sung and then you hear uh, the, the refrain, play ball. You know, we, we've gotten prayer over with, now we can get on with the real stuff. Thirdly, some say prayer is a weak substitute for work. You shouldn't be dumping on God when we ought to be doing something ourselves. And there's a saying in the American world, God helps those who help themselves. You heard that one? You know, it's not true. Some say we need to work harder and perhaps a little longer and then get on with it. Fourthly, For some therapy, and therapy groups have become a substitute for prayer. Why pray when we have skilled counselors to help us through the many problems that we have? Take it to the counselor. Take it to the therapy group. Fifthly, for others there's the hobbies, the interests that are more important than going to a prayer meeting that they have concluded that the prey is to be bored and it's a waste of time. So they don't come. Sixthly, some people say prayer cannot change the will of God. So why pray? Besides that, God already knows what we need. So why pray? And lastly, some people feel that God has now answered their prayers in the past, has not answered their prayers in the past, because God is too busy handling the bigger matters of life. So why does he bother with my trivia? Now, I don't know whether any of these obstacles are a problem for you. But prayer, I know, is linked to a life of faith. V. Raymond Edmond, the former president of Wheaton College, wrote, 
To walk by faith is to face an unending succession of giants like the Jordan River and Jericho. They were giants. They were impossible obstacles. And the seven obstacles I just mentioned are like giants that stand in the way of our entering into a higher plane in the Christian life because they discourage prayer. They belittle prayer. They reflect disbelief in the God who asks us to pray. Now, despite these obstacles, the Bible still presents prayer as an urgent matter. And it gives us a number of reasons why we ought to pray. And I'm going to mention three reasons for praying. I'm sure there are more. And would you reread with me Luke 18, verse 1. A very pivotal verse. Luke 18, verse 1. Now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. Another translation says men ought always to pray and not to faint. The alternative to not praying is fainting. The alternative to not praying is becoming weak. The alternative to not praying is to become ineffective. The alternative to not praying is to not see God at work. So we pray. The Greek construction of Luke 18, verse 1, is really a command to pray. We are commanded to pray. Why should I pray? Well, God asked me to pray. It's as simple as that. And as difficult as that. God asks us to pray. And if we don't understand prayer, we can at least be obedient. It's a matter of faith and obedience, this issue of praying. This verse suggests persistence. Men ought always to pray. Persistence. Perseverance. And the parable that follows is an example of persistence and perseverance against great odds. That unbelieving judge was a, was a great big obstacle to her. Pray against the odds, if there are odds. We have in verse 1 the attitude of never giving up. Don't give up. I felt that uh, the Lord was confirming that I should indeed speak on this subject this morning because in our reading... Uh, Kathy and I use a little little book that uh, arranges a number of Bible passages according to a certain subject. And the, the lead verse this morning was Luke 18, verse 1. So I, I, I feel like the Lord was confirming that this was what I was to speak on. Never give up. Maybe you remember that famous speech of Winston Churchill at West Point 
graduation time a number of years ago. He stood behind the podium, looked at the cadets, and then said, Never give up. And he sat down. That was his message. And that's my message also this morning from Luke 18, verse 1. Never give up praying. Because God has asked us to. Secondly, prayer is one of the beautiful ways to obey the command to love our neighbor as ourselves. The purest love we understand is given with no expectation of return. And measured by that standard... Earnest prayer for others is a wonderful act of love. Without show or without fanfare or without them knowing I'm praying for them, I pray to God that He would bless my neighbor. Prayer for others is an act of love. To pray for others is to love them. So I commend prayer to you. Thirdly, God in His compassion does respond to our prayers. Over and over again we are told that God hears our prayers. And so I, want, I just put together a few verses down that uh, you might listen to with regard to this idea. Luke 11, verse 9. Ask and you shall receive. James 5, verse 16. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. John 16, 24. Until now you have not asked anything in my name. Ask and you shall receive. And listen to this. And your joy shall be complete or full. And then in 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. And we are sure of this that He will listen to us whenever we ask Him for anything to be done in line with His will. And if we really know that He is listening when we talk to Him and make our request, we can be sure that He will answer us. That is why we pray. Three reasons God asks us to pray. It's a way that we can love our neighbor. And thirdly, because God does hear and answer our prayers, it fills the heart with joy. You know, whenever we get an answer to prayer, boy, how do you feel? Boy, don't you feel good? Don't you feel happy? Don't you feel blessed when God has answered your prayer? Well, I sure do. Moving on. What if I don't feel like praying? Despite the fact that we were made to pray made to have frequent conversation with God, prayer, it seems, is hard to come by. And one of the great examples in the Scripture are the disciples of the Lord Jesus Himself. These were people who had spent three to three and a half years with Him. They heard Jesus speak. They heard Him give the Sermon on the Mount. They heard Him give the Olivet Discourse. They heard Him speak on many other occasions. They saw the miracles. They had seen Him pray and they had heard Him give instruction on how to pray. 
But now Jesus had gone with his disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane. He, Jesus, needed to pray. Because in the city of Jerusalem, a plot was hatching. And powerful men were conspiring together and murder was on their minds. And Jesus knew all about it as he led his little band past the Kidron Valley to a spot in a garden among some old gnarled olive trees. And this time, Jesus urged his disciples to pray also. The plot had threatened Jesus would also affect the lives of the disciples very deeply. Judas had already joined the enemy. And Peter's courage would break down and he would deny Jesus three times. And most of the disciples would run away from the hill called Calvary. So Jesus lovingly urges his disciples to pray. He said, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. Then he went off a little distance by himself. And while he prayed, the disciples took his uh, suggestion to heart and they really began to pray. Because they didn't want to fall in temptation, right? No, that's not right. His disciples fell asleep. What if you don't feel like praying? What do you do? At the moment of great, great need, a time when prayer should have been on the minds of the disciples, it seemed beyond them and they sleep. And Jesus said in our verse, Luke 18, 1, if we don't pray, we're going to faint. Jesus said in John 16.24, prayer is the pathway to a life of joy. And Jesus said to His disciples in Luke 22.40, prayer is a way of escaping temptation. So what do we do? Pray or do we sleep? Do we pray or do we forget? Do we pray or do we say we don't have time? Prayer is crowded out of our schedules. And who is a loser if we don't pray? We are. We may faint. And when we fall over, we may injure ourselves. We may not experience a joyful Christian life. And we may fall into temptation. But what do we learn from the disciples? When you don't feel like praying... Take a good look at your spiritual life. It may be worse than you would like to believe. For us as the disciples, prayer may come more easily when we have been successful. You know, it's kind of nice to tell Jesus, well, you know, I I really had a good time of witnessing to so-and-so. And And I really felt your presence, Lord, and I want to thank you for that. And we we pray, you know. There's nothing wrong with that necessarily. But it's easier to pray, it seems, when we have some success or we perceive to have had some success. We feel good about ourselves and we enjoy talking with God. 
But when we feel anxious, almost helpless, as the disciples did, we hardly know how to pray. And our sense of failure crowds our desire to pray. And like a little child who avoids her father's look when she has done something wrong, we avoid God and withdraw into sleep. When it comes to prayer, feeling is not the most important thing. Feelings come and go. And they are easily influenced by health and people and weather and so on. And prayer is too important to be put at the mercy of our feelings. What if I don't feel like praying? Well, plenty of God's people have felt that way. And I'd like to say, don't worry about it. Pray anyway. Even if you don't feel like it. Pray particularly that you may resist temptation. Including the temptation not to pray. The purpose of prayer is to maintain our relationship with God, not merely to express our feelings. That's why prayer is so important. Its purpose is not to ventilate our feelings, but to celebrate our fellowship with God. And Jesus tells His disciples very gently, Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Let's summarize. We have talked primarily about three things. First, why we should pray at all. Because God asks us to pray. It's a way to love our neighbor. And because God does hear and answer our prayers and places a joy within our soul. If I don't feel like praying, well, we are the losers if we don't pray. We faint. We miss out on a joyful Christian life. And we fail to overcome temptation. Pray even if you don't feel like it. In two weeks, I want to cover a lot more ground. What kind of things should I pray about? Can I be completely honest with God? And what do I say when I pray? And I included that one because a number of years ago, I had a men's Bible class. And some of these men came to saving faith in Christ and they, they said to me, Hugo, I've never prayed. What do I say? What do I say? And I'd like to share something of that with you next, next few times. And if we have time, I'd like to discuss defensive praying. Billy Graham talks about defensive praying. A young man that I knew in the Navigators talks about defensive praying and wrote about that in one of his books. Defensive praying. Let me just tell you one. One of the things that Billy Graham and a whole number of other people, Dawson Trotman with the Navigators, uh, would mention with regard to defensive praying was, uh, Lord, keep me from lust. Keep me from lust and pride and, and so on. But we'll discuss defensive praying a little bit if we have time. Would you tell the Lord in these closing moments that you want to change your prayer life? That you want to be consistent in prayer, even if you don't feel like it? That you will truly love your neighbor by praying for him?
prayer. Prayer is something that Christians do. If you're here this morning and you are not a believer, you may be wondering about this issue of prayer. Well, how do I pray? I'm not even related to this God that you're talking to, talking about. Well, you know, this morning, one of the great prayers that you might offer to God, if you would like to have a relationship with Him, is to pray, Lord, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. And I need Your grace to flow into my life. I need the forgiveness of sins. And I want to come into your family. That would be a wonderful prayer to pray this morning as we uh, conclude our time talking about prayer. And I'd just like to suggest that perhaps you would like to pray that prayer this morning. Lord, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. I repent of my sins. And I come to you for forgiveness. Would you forgive me? And don't forget to say thank you. Thank you. Let's pray. Lord, teach us to pray simply as an act of obedience. And because you know that... uh, Prayer is good for us. Lord, teach us to pray whether we feel like it or not. Lord, bring us into that deeper sense of communion with Yourself as we pray. Lord, You know better than we the reasons why we find it hard to pray. Lord, help us, deliver us from temptation. Lord, teach us more deeply the example of prayer that our Lord Himself practiced. Lord, we want to discover more deeply Your fatherhood in this matter of prayer. Lord, uh, we desire to have our joy be made fuller, more complete, as we rejoice in answered prayer. And Father, I'd like to pray for those who may not know You in this congregation this morning. May they have the courage to come forward following the conclusion. Father, pray for this fellowship of Your people. Would You bless the dear saints here. We pray these things In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen.